You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Grolix Nights, the Grolix Podcast live show. I'm Randy. I'm Melanie. And I'm Jesse. And tonight we're joined by Robert Geronimo. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. I'm super excited. I've been, I've been, so what was it? Last week we started talking about having you on. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. been pretty excited about it. Yeah. Um, so here's what's on the agenda for t- this evening. Mm-hmm. Hey, Paul, what's going on? <laughs> Paul in the comments. What's up, Paul? Um, oh, I'm sure you've never heard that one. No, never. <laughs> but I love it. It's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it. That's what you can expect from our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> we love them to ignore my constant disappointment sounds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Savannah, what's going on? Hello, Savannah. So here's what's on the agenda. We're going to talk to Robert about uh, the cool things he is a part of. And then we are also going to do our monster of the week. No react at the news. I'm sorry. Basically, here's the news. Theaters are even more dead than they were going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it was inevitable, but I, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, our, the I, ongoing saga of the death of the movie theaters. But you heard about that new thing with HBO Max? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the thing that. Pretty yeah, that's, crazy. It, definitely. You know what? You mentioned it. Uh, okay, I mentioned it. You mentioned it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's jump into that super fast. Uh, but yeah. basically, what what you're alluding to is Warner Brothers announced that all their 2021 movies are going to get streaming release same day as theatrical release. Yeah, and not just streaming release; it's going to be the HBO Now or HBO Max, Max. for a month uh, mm-hmm. stream, like they're doing with Wonder Woman. Is mm-hmm. that this month? That's the yeah, December 25th. Yeah, okay. Yeah, to the 25th. So, but yeah, basically all the movies they had slated for 2021, they're going to release in that same model, which means mm-hmm. at least to see any Warner Brothers movies, you don't have to go to a theater if you want to see them the day I, they come out. Which is, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. It's kind of good AMC theaters and whoever else got their public fits they're 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 well i'm starting to think of their urine and vinegar (laughs) yeah i got that out earlier because Mm -hmm. man i'm sure they're still i'm sure they're still feeling it but they realize that's not the best fight to have publicly sure Uh, and what i thought was funny was legendary was like oh we weren't aware of this because they're like they're responsible for king kong and godzilla and it's mm-hmm. distributed through Warner Brothers. So, like, apparently, someone released a comment that we were not aware that they were doing this. Whoa! <laughs> like, really? Wow. Get interesting. Wow. <laughs> we thought it was a monkey and a, and a lizard that we're going to go throw oh. down. No, no. <laughs> it's going to exactly. be two cinematic giants. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. Next week, we're probably going to be talking about that again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that I didn't. I hadn't heard that about basically some of their partners not knowing they were doing that mm-hmm. that seems like a significant development that they probably should have been informed of hey, i can't 20 <laughs> i right i can't imagine the legal and financial mess that reaps in like whatever existing contracts they had or whatever their arrangement is that box office money is a big deal 
and I was thinking about it after reading the initial story on this earlier today. I was like, if it keeps up that way, if that's like really, regardless what happens with COVID, if that's the way that it continues to go, I think we're going to see less huge dollar blockbuster movies. How could they keep afford? How could they afford to keep pumping those out if they're not getting the box office returns? Yeah, it could be good only because maybe we won't have a Marvel movie every other week, you know, and yeah. now there could be build up to actually enjoy this stuff again. We, we might start to care about them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but the overall for the industry i don't know i mean that's yeah. it's rough it just goes to show you how little confidence they have in 2021 that they're going to do this so mm-hmm. right uh, yeah it's going to be a weird year meaning 2021 mm-hmm. it's already weird now <laughs> yeah. yeah it also like i'm kind of curious as to how it the message it sends for the hbo max streaming service because like it's been a kind of like in terms of news stories released on that that we've talked about in the past it's been kind of a roller coaster ride. Whereas, like one week, it's like subscribers are—it's huge. There's like so many millions of subscribers, and then the next week, it's like, well, actually, it's not that good because most of them were existing HBO subscribers. Mm-hmm. Their new, like, completely new subscribers are actually pretty low. Mm-hmm. So it has been a disappointment in that respect. So I wonder Netflix how much would have this- canceled five shows by now, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Even if they were filming. Yeah, <laughs> Glow was a good show. I'm so excited to show. canceled that. Uh. Um. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. This <laughs> I. This is one of those weird topics that just fascinates me. So I'll. We got to move on from it. <laughs> Robert. Yes. Thank you. We'll do the proper guest introduction. So, <laughs> um, you be you came on our radar, uh, mm-hmm. back in the day. It was like maybe two a year ago, two years ago. <laughs> like not even a year ago, probably. When we still talked about comics on the regular and not uh-huh. just dying movie theaters. Seems like yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> um I'm sorry, I'm just catching up on comments here. <laughs> Is the White House in charge of the HBO number release? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but we had reviewed uh, I think it was just the first issue of Blood Realm. Mm-hmm. I think we did all three. Well, there was three of the, the first initial volume. First, oh, did we? Yeah. Okay, okay. okay. Um, we had discussed it on the show, mm-hmm. and Robert, you, as you know, I address you like you don't know. You are the creator of that. <laughs> Am I? Oh, <laughs> I it up a little bit. Oh, it's probably a long period of time you blacked out. Well, during that time, you produced. Right. So you you wrote and. You wrote and did the art on that. Right. right. And and lettered. Oh, no, no. And I lettered now. That's right. That first volume, I, I hired uh, a letterer. I colored, but you know, with the red. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but it's funny because now when you when you look at the later uh, volumes, it kind of evolved a little bit because now I put gray tones, you know, screen tones rather. Mm-hmm. I, was, I love manga, so I wanted to incorporate something like that to just give a little bit more texture and, and dimension to the characters. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I actually went back when Peter Samedi was going to launch The Giant, which was the collection of Volume 1. I was like, all right, uh, I want to change things that I did in that first volume so I can just make it all go with the rest. In terms of the coloring, in terms like I started adding highlights and stuff like that. So 
he was like, you're a madman. Just don't George Lucas this. And I was like, don't worry. <laughs> right. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right. I got to be careful. He changed everything. He put a character in there that wasn't there before. <laughs> right. Madness. But, but I actually enjoyed your review. Uh, I remember it because uh, it was like a nice uh, discussion. And it was really cool to hear everyone's points of view, you mm-hmm. know, especially because you didn't read the next ones because they weren't out yet. That was right, cool. right. See where you thought things were going to go. Is this the end or is there more? So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, if I remember right, that was the only thing that we really hit on that we were unsure about. But we also acknowledged that, like, this is just the first. And I knew we knew you had yeah. more coming. I th- Or maybe we discovered that later. But um, was, you know, it felt a little exposition heavy, but it was also like world building. Like you were right. definitely establishing this whole new, like, history for this world, not mm-hmm. just like, here's some characters. Like, Here's an epic backstory and, uh, uh-huh. uh, you know, yeah. like royalty and betrayal and all this crazy uh, stuff. Um, right. One thing that really struck me that I think is part of the reasons it's always st- uh, stuck in my head is um, is the art style. It's very mm-hmm. uh, stylistic and kind of unique. Mm-hmm. And I'd be interested to see the touch ups you did on that. And also, um, I haven't kept up with the series. I apologize. It's OK. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the the a very high contrast like basically yeah. black white and red style <laughs> like a block um, print I, I keep going back to block print because that's yes. what I know and uh, and then I was I was like shocked to find out that it wasn't block print it like right. did you say that you work digitally is that how it was no done, no it's, it's all traditional it's all traditional but it's yeah. all just it's ink it, it's all ink yeah the, just very oh. aggressive inks with toothbrush and stuff like that um, oh awesome. Yeah, I've been doing draw streams on my channel now because a lot of people wanted to see, you know, how I draw. So I've been doing that every Tuesday nights with some of the other Alterna guys. And and yeah, so but I'm really heavily influenced by block prints and stuff like that because I wanted the book to feel like a medieval manuscript. I wanted oh, it to feel like it was from this world. Like mm-hmm. you went in there and you just you just grab something out and this is what this is what you have. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea. And uh it keeps evolving, but it was originally just going to be three volumes. And then, you know, Peter was like, listen, if you have more that you want to tell in this crazy saga, he was like, I'm down. So I said, let's make it six. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So that's it. He's not getting any more out of me after that. <laughs> that's it. Six volumes, but it's all going to be one giant complete saga. Um, and it's all going to tie in and it's going to wrap everything up. Just finished volume three. So that issue just came out and was sent to all of the the people who ordered the book. Uh, I know Peter is, is he's going to have to do a sec- do a second print run on that issue. Um, so, but see if you guys haven't followed, I don't want to spoil anything. But I, I make a conscious effort to make each volume unique from the one that was pre- previous. So okay. the first one's the the I would like I like to call it the stage setter. Like here's the world. Okay, here's the rules. Here's a little bit of the history. Now let's let's take some journeys deeper into mm-hmm. what's on this what's in this map here. You know that that I have at the back. Mm-hmm. So and I also incorporate sci-fi element spoilers later on. So uh, I don't want to spoil if you guys end up reading it, but but yeah, I, I keep things interesting and different every time. That's a that's a that's very important to me. Is that when you read it, it's a different set of characters. Uh, some characters return from the beginning, but it's really like a different perspective, uh, you know, f- of this war. That's what it is. 
23, number two. So that's pretty close to one of the later ones. Yeah. So that's (laughs) it's the cover, right? Like (laughs) if we walked into a comic store, assuming there's some around still, uh, we did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned something. This is just following a, a kind of a random thought here. You'd sure. mentioned you'd hired a letterer for that, for the first volume, for the first volume. Yeah. So how does it, I'm not super, now this is released through alternate comics and I'm not super familiar with how they work. Do you have to produce, do you have to finance the book yourself? And then mm-hmm. is there a deal worked with them? Is that how they work? It's it's just, yeah. So it's, it's just like image where, you know, you, you create the book, you get everything done. If you have to hire people to do the art or do the lettering and the inking or coloring, whatever, you get that all together and then you submit it to the publisher and then they decide whether or not they want to take that book and distribute it. And then you get a cut and they get a cut. Okay. So that's, that's how it works. What I love about Alterna and just Peter in general, who's become a, a dear friend of mine now after this, because uh, uh, it was published two years ago, uh, Blood mm-hmm. Realm. So that was probably two years ago. You guys did that review. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Oh, time is it's crazy time now. I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's nuts. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, Peter's great and he supports uh, the creator's vision. And that's what I like. Is that he's not, if anything, he recommends like, hey, listen, you know, I know what my readers want. So I recommend the color red, was, which actually he suggested. It was going to be all in black and white in the beginning because I wanted it to feel really block printy. <laughs> Very sure. Black. Yeah. So even like an etching. But he was like, listen, I know these comic shops. Uh, if there's just some kind of color, it'll help sell it and it'll help them, you know, kind of be more uh, enthusiastic to sell it to their readers. So we did that. And now I feel like it's synonymous with the series. You know, it's mm-hmm. I can't I can't imagine it without it. And uh, even name change. Um, in the beginning, it was Kingdom of Blood. And he was like, I really like that title, but we need something a little bit more snappy, uh, something that's smaller you know, because the, the the thing is, you were competing with, I mean, n- not so much now, but you're competing with hundreds of books on the shelves. You need that title to pop. You need a brief because you're just going to move on to the next one. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just at the time, there were just so many books out. It was ridiculous. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because they were trying to flood each other out, you know, the two big ones. Yeah. And here we are in the middle trying to exist, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but the red really really help pop and i'm fortunate that it's it's sold and continues to sell well what's next so you know because we had covid and as much as i would love to illustrate this next story i'm actually not the illustrator on this one uh i I, I realized that i would have a nervous breakdown because blood realm is taking up so much of my time and some so much of my sleep and energy and sometimes literal blood and sweat and tears you know Mm-hmm. Uh, those pencil sharpeners got to watch out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's legit. Yeah. So uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this time with COVID because although I'm, I'm still, it's still work, you know, teaching from home and everything like that. I do have a little bit more time on my hands. So I was like, you know what? There's a story I have that I always wanted to do. I'm a huge fan of slashers and monster movies. And I, I wanted, I want to do this. I want to make this character happen. And as I was illustrating it, I was like, you know what? My style, you know, it's just, it needs to look like classic comic book feel for this Mm -hmm. particular book, which is Wirehead. And it is an homage to the classic slasher films from the 70s and the 80s and 90s. 
it's weird that we say like maybe classic for 90s it's a little strange now but (laughs) but it's it's true though yeah it's true you know and you know even monster movies like the universal stuff i love that stuff and i just always wanted to create a monster of my own specifically one that was robotic so so yeah heads wirehead so i realized that you know what this style needs an ec comics book comic book feel you know i love ec comics from the 50s and i wanted this to have even like an archie look in a weird way you know it's mm-hmm. like these characters are, it makes it that much more jarring it's like when you see violence in manga because the characters are cartoony but sometimes when the violence happens it's so insane that it's just as jarring it's just even more jarring rather you know mm-hmm. so uh, i ac- actually ended up working with a former student of mine who's been trying to get work and i've been working with him very closely and i was like you know what uh, I think this is a great opportunity for people to see what he does. And I think he's the right voice, uh, artistic voice visually for this book. So, and it's all black and white. So if you guys are a fan of black and white horror, uh, this is, yeah, definitely. Oh, cool. really. Yeah. Yeah. The preview uh, images you have on the Indiegogo campaign mm-hmm. page is uh, look awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. He's, he's doing great. Yeah, and I didn't even realize till today, till earlier, when I was giving everything uh, another look before we got this going, I didn't realize you weren't illustrating this one. Okay, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so, and that was a tra- transition because I'm so used to uh, working the way I work because I do everything now on Blood Realm. After volume one, I do the lettering. I do the everything, <laughs> the coloring, mm-hmm. the inking, the, the penciling. It's a lot of work, you know? It's mm-hmm. it, it just... It, Unfortunately, comics doesn't make you, make you a millionaire, but, uh, right. but you have to love this. And I love making comics, and it's just a medium that I adore. And I want to tell the stories I want to tell in this medium. So you have to you have to push through it. That's a labor of love. But I knew I couldn't do this one too. It would just be too much. So I'm used. I don't write scripts. So with Blood Realm, I actually uh, I have specific lines I want to say, and I know certain beats that are going to happen. So it's almost like I work in like a the, the classic Marvel method. I don't know if you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with that. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where like Kirby, I'm I'm sorry, Lee would give Kirby's like some notes and a little bit of an outline, and then Kirby would go and just do his thing, and Stan would put the words in later. That's kind of like how I work. So you know, this way I feel I like I, I would like the artwork to serve the writing and not the other way around. And I just think that works for Blood Realm. I think for Wirehead. We, I realized quickly that I can't do that because he needs, he likes direction and he likes to know exactly where everything's going. Cause there's some times where I just draw and a, a, a story moment will happen. And it's just because, and I didn't expect it. And it, it changes things in blood realm. Right. So it's almost like a spontaneous vibe to it, but wirehead, I couldn't do that. So I had to get in that scripting mode. And I was like, how much do I describe? Because I don't want to be a control freak, even though I am a little bit. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, I still want to you know, give him room to play. So uh, it, it took a couple of tries in getting that going. But then next thing you know, we gelled. And now then Wire had really started to, to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, That's very important with a creative team when you're working together with an artist and a, and a writer. You want to have that gel. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so important. So which way, yeah, I mean, I imagine it would be difficult to, especially since you are used to Blood Realm doing everything yourself, All right. I imagine it would be hard to kind of 
let go in a way of some of the control, especially with yeah. the art, which is, you know, the face of the work there. Oh, I'm a, uh, I'm a tyrant. <laughs> so, <laughs> where, where have you fallen in terms of um, your scripts then? Are you very descriptive with like, you know, do you lay out panels for the artist or are you like this page, this dialogue needs to happen and leave it more open? Yeah. Imagine so, somewhere in the middle, maybe. Right, right. Yeah, it is. Uh, let me. I just see Ara in the chat. Hey, hey, Ara, how's it going? Ara's a big old Turner fan. He's awesome. Uh, Hi. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, it's similar to that. I had to, re I, I wasn't used to writing my dialogue out with everything. because mm -hmm. I like to put the words in after with Blood Realm. Like, again, like there's certain lines that I know I'm going to put in without a doubt. But then mm -hmm. there's some I like to happen later. So with this, I had to do that, but I didn't want to be too descriptive with the faces, you know, because it, it was, again, it was that balance of being overly descriptive and not, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was a challenge. It definitely was. But like I said, once we gelled, the magic started to happen and then got to a point where I didn't have to be as descriptive anymore because it's like he's reading my mind now. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating how that happens when you, when the writer and the artist suddenly become in sync. I've got to show this this image from your uh from the indiegogo page this so is a gore image <laughs> coming up i love the oh! <laughs> yeah I, just the new I love the since it's the black and white i mm -hmm. do love all the detail it's it's right like if you look at the what it what's there you've got a couple characters you've got some trees in the background mm -hmm. like kind yeah. of like a basic layout Super detailed though. There's it looks there's so much going on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the I like it. I like the style yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, I, 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 it's it's that balance. Like I, like you just said, you know, it's like not drawing too much attention, you know, toward the back so the front right. that big moment can happen. It's like and it's explosive. And originally, so trivia, we we actually had uh, uh, a colorist originally, and oh. it's a phenomenal colorist. But what I noticed what started to happen was that the line work started to, you know, you started to lose it. Right. And I don't know if that has to do with modern colorists. Uh, Cause he, he's an amazing colorist. I just think it, I think more so it was really about a testament to the type of line work that Michael was, was doing that no matter what, you have to be careful how you color this. And mm -hmm. I showed it to Peter accidentally. I meant to show him the colored version. He was like, what is this? And I was like, Oh, I want to get your opinion. You know, this is the black and whites. He was like, uh, this you're not doing this in black and white i was like uh yes i am <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no, i am <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's you know and i i feel that the character too just suits the black and white you know that menacing mm -hmm. silhouette there and everything like that and mm -hmm. and uh for those of you so for the for people who don't know it's it's about a cybernetic creature that uh, terrorizes these unsuspecting teens in the Pocono Mountains. So very, you know, traditional 70s, 80s horror, uh, slasher rather, but I'm a huge fan of sci-fi. So mm. sci-fi horror in particular. So I know we we're going to talk about like our favorite monster type movies and slasher stuff. I consider The Terminator the first one to be a slasher film, without a doubt. That's super interesting. Okay, yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that quite a bit. So we, we could dive later because I know you wanted to talk mm -hmm. about that stuff. So yeah, I definitely feel that that it has that vibe, you know. And what disturbed me always when I was a kid when I saw that film, 
and even later on, I don't know if you guys you know, uh, this might be a deep cut, but uh, a Death Machine by Stephen Norrington. Mm-hmm. If you guys know that, check that out. Um, I watched that one day at like Channel 11, like when I was young. And it's about a killer machine that looks like a dog thing, but it's big. And what creeped me out about, and it was like a sci-fi vibe. It was kind of like an aliens kind of ripoff thing. And both the Terminator and this death machine thing, I realized like you can't gouge out its eyes. There it is. Yes. And Brad Dourif is in it. This movie's wild. Brad Dourif, yeah. I actually randomly was watching a YouTube video about that movie like two days ago. Oh, I love it. Even when I was a kid. Like, creep me out. But that, it's not so scary anymore. But but the parts that still creep me out is like when the thing grips you. You know, like I said, you can't gouge out its eyes. You can't like, you know, spit on it or bite it. It's not going to feel anything. It's like a bulldozer. So it's just going to keep squeezing or biting and biting. So with that scene with Wirehead, I was like, imagine this this being that was created to serve, right? But he thinks he's helping you, but he's actually doing the, the opposite. So when he squeezes, there's nothing you can do to make him, you know, there's no pain receptors or anything like that. So he's just going to keep squeezing. And then as your skull's cracking, you hear, please remain calm. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's Wirehead. And I'm, so I teach art history. At, a, at two universities. I love history. I'm a history nut. And I wanted it to have, especially World War II history fascinates me. And I wanted the creator of Wirehead, because I love the, the Frankenstein myth. I think the Frankenstein myth is fascinating because it always kind of, it makes you ask yourself, who's really the monster, Frankenstein or the monster itself, you know? Mm-hmm. So his man, the monster here in this, in this story. So with the creator who is the doctor who makes Wirehead, I wanted to tie it to World War II history, but not German, but Japanese. Because I feel like what people don't know is that there were some awful camps and research facilities that were going on in China that were run by the Japanese. And they did stuff that, let me tell you, man, uh, it'll give Auschwitz a run for its money. Now, I'm not, that's not to discredit anything that happened there, but I mean, like, it is, it, it's horrifying. And I wanted to bring a little bit of that stuff to light because what really creeped me out was that some of these guys, especially one in particular named uh, Dr. Uh, General Ishishiro, he was given immunity and he ran mm-hmm. this. The stuff he did will just send you, you'll have a hard time sleeping. So he was given immunity when he came over to the States because they wanted his research. Right. He lived, oh, yeah. he lived out the rest of his days here in the United States. I think he even helped out like a local professor in a university. And I thought that was so dark. So what if, what if the creator of Wirehead was creating metal men kind of mm-hmm. in Japan, for Japan, but then when he was granted immunity, right? So he was allowed to continue his research and he was given a secret laboratory in the Pocono Mountains. But the, and there he's working on these creatures, except that one is very successful and that's the, 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 the prototype that we see that we call Wirehead. Mm-hmm. Except that something goes wrong. He goes a little haywire. So now he does the opposite. Instead of serving, he kills. And this thing gets out of the facility in 1999. So, interesting. No, yeah. uh, So, this is a graphic novel. 80 pages, too. It's it's probably going to be 90. Yeah, so you're getting your your money's worth, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I was curious. Is this a, I mean, as far as you know, is this like a one-and-done type graphic novel then? Or is this something that will continue on? It's, it can, if, if the readers want it, but it's a one-and-done story. 
like any good slasher, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I always drove me nuts into recent uh, horror films, although maybe more so now lately, I could see that some are sprouting, but they have like that ending that's not quite right. Cause I like mm-hmm. that. I don't feel like every horror film should be like, oh, good. Oh, good. Right. Everyone's safe and mm-hmm. okay. sunset. Good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. No, you should walk away feeling uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's the best stuff. Like, Although The Exorcist technically has a happy ending, the way you get there when he when the priest jumps off out of the window down the stairs, like you're like, well, by the time the movie's over, you're just thinking about that moment. You know what I mean? Where he's mm-hmm. just holding the the priest's hand, where he's still alive as he's dying down there. It's just like, it's like whoa, <laughs> you know? That's interesting, and that'll definitely tie into. I I'm curious as to the movie that Jesse watched, how it ends, but that'll definitely tie into what I have to say about. <laughs> my movie later is the idea of this. Yeah. It's not necessary. It's some of the best ones. Aren't the, like the cops in the ambulance are here and they're right. sitting in the back of the ambulance and we got the blanket on. Everything's fine. Right. And then on the flip side, like then you've got the Friday, the 13th endings where it's like, it's that, but then there's like some nonsensical dream sequence. Like, yes. But what? What's this? <laughs> like, well, that's just, but wait, there's more. That's still right. tacked on. And like in the case of the first Friday the 13th, literally tacked on that was not written. They're just like, we need something. Oh, yeah. Completely. Um, yeah. Okay. But, okay. Sorry. Continue. No, no, no. I, I, I completely agree. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, there's a balance to achieve that. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it took a while for me to really come up with an ending where, you know, it, it leaves you with that. But also, could it continue? It can, but it doesn't have to, mm-hmm. you know? We could just leave it there and everything will be, you know, you'll feel satisfied. But I'd love to create a slasher verse. Like if we want to talk about the big dream, mm-hmm. you know, I have all these characters that, you know, they haunt me enough. I need them to haunt you guys now. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's what I'd love to do is eventually create this universe and maybe, you know, have mm-hmm. the meat wire head. Who knows? You know, but right now, uh, that's like the long term dream. But right now, I just want to get this single story out this complete story of this character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Ara. <laughs> yeah, how, how you coming on the show tonight even come about is I, it was randomly because the Twitter algorithm is as it is mm-hmm. seen your tweet about the Indiegogo. I didn't realize it was going on and mm-hmm. I retweeted it and you reached out to me and, but like, it's already funded. So that's awesome. That's right. so Thank you're, you. you're working on like stretch goals and stuff now. Stretch goals, yeah. So we're trying to get some stretch goals in there. Um, uh, at least we want to hit 200 backers so we could uh, we could get our third backer bonus. So with our third backer bonus, everyone gets a digital companion track, two of them, which is like a soundtrack. So you get oh, that. Oh, nice. So you, and you can listen to it as you're reading the book. And it has a straight, crazy 80s vibe, like Terminator with uh, John Carpenter. And it's, it's uh, uh, produced by the Institute 91 who they, they're, they're really good friends of a fellow alternate creator. The alternate guys are great. Uh, it's like another family. I love these guys. We're always helping each other and stuff like that. And uh, these guys are, were a fan of the, of the Indiegogo and they just were so inspired by it that they made these tracks and sent them to me. So I, I asked, I said, can I do something with this? Because I want the people who are getting the book to enjoy this. So they're like, go for it. So once we hit 200 backers, everyone is going to get these tracks. There's two of them. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. And, uh, and yeah, for, for audio listeners, let's see, it says nine days left. What is today? So that's the 12th, maybe 12th, mm-hmm. 13th. 
um, of December. And so, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to check it out or maybe back it, there's still time when this awesome, when this audio goes out. So, yeah. And that's the, uh, so we had to do a fan art booklet. So, uh, I know your listeners can't see this, but if you see on the campaign, uh, I mean, I'm honored, but people were drawing pictures of Wirehead in their style. So I was getting a ton of them on Instagram and Twitter, and I was like, you know, this stuff is so good. So just like with the Institute, I, I said, hey, you know, guys, I love this fan art that you guys are doing. I want people to enjoy this too. So I said, can I compile this in a newsprint edition? And all of all of the fan art that you guys have been drawing I'm going to put it in a booklet for everyone, only backers. Like I'm not going to sell this afterwards, but right. I'm going to include this in the the featured perk, which is the laboratory access, where I think you get the most bang for your buck, and it's also going to be an add-on. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I checked it out, and I was like, wait, it's a slasher comic? Slasher comics, and we've talked about this on the show before, uh, years ago, I think, mm-hmm. are, I mean, as far as I, they're kind of, they're super rare. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's a tricky, I feel like it's a tricky uh, genre or subgenre of horror to translate to page. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you found found that? Um, I, I at first I was like, well, you know what, I I, I can't show too much because I need to be like you know that that uh kind of like uh, Hitchcockian. But then I realized I was like, you know what, I was like, let's just have fun with this. It's a slasher. We're aware it's a slasher, but there is this sneak attack of history and sci-fi. So it's more of like having fun. But then I think the key to feeling that terror in, in the book is, is creating characters that feel relatable and not just cardboard cutouts that are going to get their heads squashed. You know, right. I, I try- when I when I was writing this in particular, because it's a little different with Blood Realm, because you know I, I don't know exactly how a goat man warrior would react to certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I've, you've got to really feel their motivations, right? Or you know, yeah. the, the sisters of silence, who you know they just have these mystical powers and stuff like that. So it's a little bit different. But with here, I was like, you know what? It's the, really the first time I'm writing human humans. <laughs> You know, I can't quite this, you know, count the sisters of silence as humans by the time when we meet them in that in the first uh, volume of Blood Realm. So I wanted to create characters that were relatable. So I based them off of people I know and how they react to things. So uh, they're very much based on real people who have acted this way in certain, not, not in terms of getting their head squashed or anything like that, but <laughs> maybe panicking and freaking out over things. Like I know exactly how they would react. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. So it's, uh, I think that's the trick is like, okay, I, I would do that in this situation. Cause one thing that drives me nuts in slashers is when they go off and do stuff that I'm just like, no one would do that. And you right. just, <laughs> you just pull me right out of it because it's like, no one in their right mind would just run to the shed with all the chainsaws mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're going to grab one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, awesome. Awesome. So you had mentioned um, death machine. Yes. Uh, what are some of your other influences or I guess we could get into the slasher discussion sure. in general. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, I guess some of the, inv- what did you pull from uh, mm-hmm. when creating this or writing this? Right. Uh, so, uh, Definitely, uh, like I said, Terminator, because I still consider that a slasher. I really do. He's knocking off all of the Sarah Connors in the beginning, that slow, mm-hmm. steady pace. And he, when he walks, 
and uh there's even that body horror element when he's like pulling the things out of his arm and his face and stuff like that like it's just he he feels no pain you know he just his one goal is to literally stalk and kill so it has a slasher vibe it really does and i i, I stand by that even alien too you could even argue that alien might be a slasher as well right, right? Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. but that was really the biggest draw was the merging of sci-fi and horror because i think that's my favorite that blend right there mm-hmm. and ironically i wasn't a huge fan of friday the 13th until <laughs> this is gonna probably sound hey, a little great you're gonna say jason x aren't you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 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 and I was like, oh, right. wow. you've got a cyber, cyber, you got a cyborg Jason right there. That okay, yeah. that makes sense totally. Mm-hmm. Totally hooked me. And then after that, I needed to see the other movies, and I was like, oh, he's only in space for this one. <laughs> I love it. You're like kind of disappointed. You're like, oh. <laughs> There's only this much space. Right. <laughs> there I, it's so odd to hear somebody who's like who's like, yeah, when Jason went to space, that's the high point. <laughs> <laughs> the franchise is all downhill from there. <laughs> that's why they had to remake it. It was like, there's nowhere else to go. We no, did it. There isn't. There isn't. And I, I have to admit though, you know, I, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, so I don't know if it still holds up, you know, but uh you can't deny that that outfit, you know, the, the, his his whole style and everything it looks awesome. Uber I mean, Jason, as the yeah, referred to commonly, yeah, yeah, it it is pretty cool. The movie's so- super cheese, but they're all <laughs> exactly. Even the best Friday the Thirteenth are not really that good. Like they're not great movies. Um, so yeah, it's super cheese. I'd watched it uh, maybe. I'd watched it a year ago, maybe for mm-hmm. uh, Garlic Cinematic Universe. Our, our movie spinoff podcast mm. and uh yeah i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it for what it yeah. is okay good i'm, I'm glad <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but, so that was a big one that was mm. a uh but then, then that led me into other ones but the one that i always really liked as a kid was um freddie and now there isn't much influence of freddie in this but um the fantastical element of it, I always found more appealing and a little bit more terrifying. I mean, obviously, he haunts your dreams. Mm. I mean, what's more terrifying than that? But, mm. you know, it's just, he reminds me of it. Like, Jason just, and and Michael Myers, I feel like they just, they kill, you know. Mm. But but uh, Freddie likes to play with his food first before he eats it. That's the vibe mm. I get with him. So, um, so I had a, I had a, I was like, you know what, if I do too much of that, then Wirehead, isn't quite as terrifying, you know, with the initial reason with, with Terminator and stuff like that. You know, you don't want to give him too much personality in a way. Do you watch Doctor Who at all? I don't. I've had I've, a lot of people <laughs> recommend that to me. Yeah, yeah. there's certain episodes that people people throw some certain like episodes to me, and they're like, "You would really like this episode." And I was like, "Ah, I gotta watch it. I have no idea." I was thinking actually, I was thinking Cyberman is what oh, popped yeah. in my head. Sure. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, because they kind of seem, I mean, they're not necessarily a slasher, but you know, they're robots and they're trying to basically turn all the other people mm-hmm. in the world, like kill, kill them and turn them into robots. And oh. uh, and uh, but but when you were talking earlier about Frankenstein, and there's an episode mm-hmm. where they have like a, a Cyberman Frankenstein, and I'm like, yeah, I can totally see him just go out and just like turning into a slasher. Um, yeah. and that's a really good idea. I mean, it's like, yeah, so yeah. 
I was just wondering if you if you were a fan or had any. No, I don't know, but uh, everything I see whenever like I see stuff online or people you know at me at certain episodes and stuff like I mm -hmm. it all looks so cool. I just I wouldn't even know where to begin because I, I didn't realize there's like ten thousand Doctor Who. <laughs> well, the art history the art history buff in you has to see um, Vincent and the Doctor. Ooh, all right. So oh, right, right. Doc, mm -hmm. the doctor literally uh, takes Amy Pond to go visit Vincent Van Gogh, and uh, that's cool. And wackiness ensues, you know. So I mean, like <laughs> Vincent's already pretty wacky, anyhow. But n oh, now yeah. we get to see, like, like oh, there's maybe he wasn't completely crazy, you know. Like there was some yeah. stuff going on here. That's really cool. I'll make my class watch that. I'll be proud. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also, um, I'm also, I'm, I, I love the design of um, Nemesis and Mr. X from the Resident Evil games. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Really terrifying, you know, and I really enjoyed the remakes too. I'm a big gamer. It's like, I need, I, I can't draw all day. I need to like, I need some cathartic shooting in Gears of War or whatever. I got to just let yeah, it yeah. You're dealing with students all the time, so you've got to do some headshots. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Rex Doom. Hey, Rex. How's Hi, it going? Rex. Awesome. Um, okay, so actually, did you have a specific uh, slasher movie you wanted to discuss? If, um, if, if not, it's all right. We can kind of yeah. roll into you and then it, just... You guys could go and then I'll... I'll, I'll... It was really Terminator, you know, but I feel yeah. like I, I really... Terminator, I love and Alien, and I noticed uh, Paul was really on board with your comment about Alien being a slasher too. Yeah. Um, and I, I, Terminator was another one I did a couple of years ago on GCU, but uh, it hadn't occurred to me until that last time I watched it. There's like, yeah, this is totally, this is totally a slasher movie. Uh, it's yeah. got the sci-fi concept, obviously, and I feel like the second one and more definitely as they go on. It's it's strictly hardcore like sci-fi action, mm, but the yeah. first one really does kind of play the horror element pretty well. Yeah. In it's literally an unstoppable machine, and even though like Michael Myers and even Jason started off as as they're humans, mm -hmm. like they still have that same quiet but unstoppable killing machine yes. uh, mm -hmm. thing to them. You could you could even argue if you really want. I mean, I guess we would need to class. Uh, We'll do this right after I say this comment, but uh, you, first off, we're going to have to classify what is a slasher, because I guess, because you could even argue Predator is a slasher. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, oh, yeah. totally. The first one, yeah. Especially the first one. So I think the question is, you know, although it's hard to say because Alien had the final girl. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, what, you know? Alien yeah. is, I, I feel like with Alien, the slasher totally fits. It does have the final girl, like... <laughs> More so than uh, than, well, uh, Terminator does it too. Yes, um, they do. Sarah Connor lives at the end. But I think <laughs> Alien's enough of a creature that more people might think of it as like a monster movie, a monster a movie, a mm -hmm. monster movie, right? To but it has the slasher uh, structure. Really. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I guess if if uh, have you guys ever seen Black Christmas? I actually mm -hmm. no, I have not. Oh, okay. That's a slasher movie you guys need to watch for the holiday season. That is okay. at least I know that I know that the remake just came out, but Dumb. the original is one that's been on my list, especially since like for for this episode, I made a point to 
search out some kind of obscure ones. Yet I still haven't watched uh, Black Christmas, so yeah. I, I don't know why. I need definitely to right. on it. It's it's December. Put it on. Uh, it's funny. It's not funny. Like it's still great. You know, it's mm -hmm. a slow builder. You know, just like all those horror movies, even The Exorcist is, is a slow builder. But there's a lot of character development, and uh, that's in the '70s. Those slasher films where there wasn't anything supernatural to them. You know, so you're dealing. Oh, Pieces is the greatest slasher movie ever. I have to check out Pieces. Right? Pieces. That one. So, wow, you know, it's okay. Cause it's a human stalking these girls in this so sorority house. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously the holiday season. And you see a lot of things that kind of scream, you know, parodies with the phone calls and stuff. It all started with black Christmas, you know, mm -hmm. calling them and taunting them and stuff like that. I still find that stalker or that slasher very creepy in that mm -hmm. film. Uh, especially this points of views where it's his eye, you know, and it's it's like so there's like a peeping Tom vibe to it. I think it's very well well shot. And actually, the guy who did that movie, if I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the guy who did Christmas Story. Really? Whoa! <laughs> What's his? Yeah. This guy had a love hate man. relationship with Christmas, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> I'm sick of it. Did the Grinch steal all of your presents, dude? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I would definitely uh, I would check that one out, you know, and, and appreciate that you know, the time it's made and have Margot Kidder is in it, obviously. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know if you know if you guys know Olivia Hussey. She was Romeo and Juliet, and she played Mary in that Jesus of Nazareth movie from uh, the same director who did both those films. So mm -hmm. what's funny is that every time she's at a con, everyone's like, "Oh my god, I love your work." She was like, "Oh, um, is it Jesus of Nazareth or is it a uh, Romeo and Juliet?" They're like, "No, Black Christmas." She's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> It's hilarious to get back to what you were what you were you mentioned so what is a slasher paul has an interesting take that i feel is accurate but maybe not specific enough paul said slasher victim stalking random disappearances and a final girl because i was talking to melanie the other day about <laughs> i was like i'm really into slasher movies anymore but there's certain movies um that were being like on on online that are recommended is like check out this slasher movie and i'm like it's not it doesn't feel like a slasher movie and particularly mm -hmm. like the backwoods hillbilly sometimes mutant hillbilly killers where it's like a family of killers and i oh, guess right. the best in my opinion the best example of that is the first texas chainsaw massacre hills um, have eyes too or there's yeah oh. the hills have eyes um and i guess yes but those don't feel like slashers to me mm -hmm. and, and i don't know i i I wouldn't fault somebody for classifying them as such. Right. But I don't, I don't feel like they, you get the final girl. Though. That's the you thing. do. Yeah. I think you know, what it is, it's, it's, it's hard to pick because I guess I always associated slashers before, like it, it became, I guess like, you know, monster movies because I guess technically Freddie is a monster. Right. You know, demon. You know, it's, it's, it's tough, but I guess like real hardcore slashers have a, a whodunit vibe to it. That's mm -hmm. why I like Christmas and even uh, uh, Popcorn is another one. You guys should check out Popcorn. That's another one. I don't one. think I've seen that one either. Oh, yeah, I've had to do a lot of research. <laughs> sure. Oh, I bet. So um, I would definitely check out Popcorn <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and also the recent, believe it or not, it was pretty good. I have to say uh, Hellfest. I don't know if you guys should, saw that. Mm -mm. It, it was recent. It came out, uh, I think, uh, last Christmas, mm. I'm, I'm sorry, last Halloween. So yeah, uh, but they all have this whodunit vibe of who's the killer? Is it this killer? Is, is it mm -hmm. he? The killer? You know, and it's almost like a twisted, you know, Scooby Doo thing. You know, mm -hmm. 
when you watch those from the 70s. And then, of course, it was brought back with Scream. You know, and I'm not going to spoil who the, the killer is in Scream, but Twist is great. You know, it's and it's a great whodunit vibe to it. <laughs> We've been happy, uh, happy Death Day. Yeah, deal. there you go. Yeah. Who is it? <laughs> happy Death Day, super interesting. Well, we don't need to get too far into Happy Death Day, but it's super interesting. The first one, the second one, just kind of drops the whole that whole element altogether, because yeah. ultimately, for me. The, the reveal of who it is is super disappointing. You're like, what? Yeah. Why? Who cares? <laughs> but, but... <laughs> that's fair. What? It's more exciting to go on the adventure than it was but that's to find the thing. out the killer. Yeah. I feel like by the time you find out the killer, the movie's doing other things that are much more interesting than its attempt at the slasher plot. Yeah. Yeah. The other premise takes over, and that's more what I'm interested in and for me in that at that point. Sure. And for the filmmakers too, because the second one, I guess, is still maybe has that slasher element, but it, yeah, it's it's yeah. doing its own like eighties advent sci-fi adventure at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> that's what I like about it. You know, it's 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 a, it's, its own take on the genre. For yeah, me, mm-hmm. that's what they needed to do. You know, is kind of like how do we breathe life into this? <laughs> right. Yeah. How do we resuscitate this? But even the first Friday the Thirteenth, it's a total whodunit. Like if if you never saw that film, you know, and you don't know. Who the killer is and you, you're expecting the hockey mask guy <laughs> it's a total like whoa and she the actress is amazing in that yeah. in that ending like chills still when i see that stuff obviously the chase is a little ridiculous you know when they're going mm-hmm. back and forth but still man i mean she plays that so well and i'm trying to avoid spoilers but i mean like probably everyone knows who's listening to this who i'm talking about <laughs> rex rex says uh, slashers can be pretty broad, but uh, but you have those movies that feel like they go far above others, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween. Yeah. Uh, but the point I like that he makes it, I'm assuming he, sorry. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is strange, though. It's a slasher, but it isn't. It's one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah, I mean, Texas, like I mentioned, the the like family hillbilly backwoods crazed killers, I don't feel like slashers to me. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I wouldn't balk at the idea of it being a slasher. The Leatherface is an iconic slasher. Yeah, um, they're human. When I think of something like, and it still applies, but like ro- the Wrong Turn movies, um, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody's favorite wrong, you know, slasher Wrong Turn. Nobody mm-hmm. knows Wrong Turn, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Eliza Dushku, right? Right, right. Um, A lot of research I had to do. I wasn't kidding around. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I guess it's just one of those things of. Yeah, of course, those are have a lot more elements of slasher than maybe other kinds of genre, uh, subgenres in it. Right. But yeah, you get different different flavors. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. And what I think, and you know, just to you know, in terms of with Wirehead, the reason I think now is the time for the story is that when you look at the history of slashers, they were really born out of the, the post Vietnam era. You know, this uh, they were brutal, they were gritty, they were grimy. You know. And then, and you can see how there, whenever there's some kind of even political or whatever turmoil going on, uh, it seems like the people need some kind of cathartic dismemberment. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Post 9-11, we had hostile and, you know, the genre they call torture porn. Right. So, you know, it's, I feel like after this, you know, with the, the moral panic we're in, 
with the the political climate we're in, the pandemic we're in, I think people are going to need some cathartic dismemberment. And Wirehead, mm-hmm. I think, I think is going to be a healthy way <laughs> to <laughs> venture into that in comic book form. Yeah. Uh, Rex, I don't know you, but I, I, yeah, I'm enjoying your comments. Oh, Rex is great. He's yeah. Turn a reader. Yeah. He, he, he comes on my streams too on the, uh, the draw streams. Mm-hmm. Well, he's spot on with some of this. And I love the category that some people have put it in is talking about uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Hicksploitation. Ooh. I love I that. I like that. That is going to stick with me. Yeah. Hicksploitation. That makes sense. That's fantastic. I'm on board with that. Yeah, it's great. Um, have you ever seen Death, Death Dream? Dream? I don't know Death Dream. I don't know Death Dream either. Damn, I got to check that one out. I need. I think I need to get a job where I can be like, I have to do so much research watching horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll be honest. The only reason I was able to do this is because of the pandemic, and that's why I was like, you know what? I need to take advantage of this because I'm gonna. I'm going to be so angry if I was like, you know what? You did nothing. You know, obviously mm-hmm. I'm still working on blood run, but like you have this other story that you're dying to tell. Like what mm-hmm. better time? Like now is the time. If anything, now, would you see what's going on? Pursue what you got to pursue because man, anything could happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Um, well, let's roll into Jesse. I want you to start with your pick for slasher of the week or what a movie a monster of the week because i feel like yours more than any of ours fits uh wirehead super well right Ooh. so what did you watch okay so yeah just a minute backstory um my uncle would like he would just tape he, he had like hbo and he had cinemax and all these uh cable channels and we lived out in the country so we did not so he would just tape tons of stuff and then he would send them off to the farm and then we would get to pick through. And so I would watch some of these really bizarre, obscure horror films that like some people didn't even know existed. Um, and when I found out that we were going to talk to you and that we were going to do mm-hmm. um, slashers, the movie that came to my mind immediately was Hardware from oh, 1990. Hell and yeah. uh I was I was I was like oh surely I'll just find this you know like it, this can't be that unusual and this can't be that hard to find come to find out you can't stream this thing in the United, in the United States nope. like you, nope. you you know you have to have a hard copy of it in order yep. to find it um and uh some things I didn't know like I had I hadn't seen this movie in years so it was mm-hmm. kind of I I wanted to revisit it I wanted to see if it lived up to my teenage brain what I remembered about it um but I thought okay what I remembered about it was this thing is a, is a slasher movie I mean yeah, I know it's a robot and I was right. like but this is this is as much like you were talking about terminators as a slasher uh movie and I would I would agree um, but this one, it was like, this one's even more of a slasher movie because th- this thing doesn't feel like it has any kind of a soul. It's not even wearing a human <laughs> face. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, uh, I had, this was, this was a, uh, a movie that I just had in a box, uh, of movies that my uncle gave us. And, uh, what I remembered about it was, was even more basic than the movie actually is. Uh, I come to find out that this is actually, um, based off of a comic done by, uh, by the British uh, comic, was it uh, twenty 
20,000 AD. Yeah, 20,000 AD. And it's uh, it's based on a story called Shock, spelled S-H-O-K. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that growing up. I just, this thing was very iconic in my memory. It was like, this thing has a certain look to it. Um, they they went biblical with the naming of it. The 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 killer robot is named Mark 13 after uh, like a, right. a Bible verse or, or a chapter of the Bible. And uh, they find it like like this is a post-apocalyptic future where everything's irradiated. And so this nomad character goes out into the desert and uh, and goes into like this um, military establishment and, and finds these pieces and just brings it home with him. What could go wrong? <laughs> yep. Right. So we, we get back there and we've got like Iggy Pop is is like a radio DJ and he's kind of just like spouting the cyberpunk dystopian news at you. And and then you've got this other scavenger who picks up this this ro- the robot parts, not knowing that he's gonna bring a death machine back home to his girlfriend for Christmas, I might add. This is a Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> let's start that debate again. Um, yeah, so they bring the, he brings this this robot head and so a few parts back uh, to this to this apartment complex or, or what we would term an apartment a complex because it's very like I don't know cyberpunk and put together and it looks rustic even though it's the future clearly. Um, and this thing's like not it's not dead. So it comes back mm-hmm. to life. Like they've basically brought it's it's kind of like the alien story. It's like they brought this thing back with them and then it starts killing everybody slowly. Mm-hmm. You're like at first they were like, what's going on? Right. But it's it's so trippy. Um, there's it's very it's very much a visual movie if you if you haven't seen it. Um, like there's there's whole sections of this thing that are almost psychedelic, and the music plays in in weird ways. Um, almost, almost like, uh, almost like church organ type of synth. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a lot of cool stuff happening here. And I, I, I don't want to like spoil the whole movie because I think it's something that if you haven't seen hard hardware, you should yeah. check it out. Cause it's definitely got that like UK comics vibe to it. But also very, very horror, but also like so much camp too. Like I just had a lot of fun with this movie. I was like, okay, this movie uh, is not as terrifying as I remembered it, but it's it's definitely as awesome as I remember it. It's got a lot of mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember that now. I, I didn't, Randy told me that was your uh, movie. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. But as soon as he popped that up, yeah, I totally remember that growing up. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, what if Johnny Five was alive? Or <laughs> 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 if you were. <laughs> now, the directors, the the other early movie the director is known for, Dust Devil, also had like cyborg stuff going on, but I don't remember it as well as I do hardware. But that's why I was super, directed by Richard Stanley, and that's why I was super excited for Color Out of Space, because he had done like nothing since those movies other than get fired off of island of dr moreau uh in the 90s so um if i remember right and something that i i liked about color out of a space because i felt like it had the same thing is he likes kind of wall of sound style sound design with the music where it's just big music and weird visuals and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of his style a little bit um mm-hmm. and uh, yeah yeah i'm gonna have to revisit this one 
I'm glad you mentioned this. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, I remember yeah, I, I remember watching it at a friend's house, and I was like, this is insane. <laughs> Character, like the killer, the, the creature is wild looking. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not like, like you're t- it, we're so used to robots that can just move. Yeah, I mean, they move it's like, like ethereally, you know, like they, they almost move better than humans now. Right. Mm-hmm. And whatnot. But this robot is a clunker. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's real. This is the, this is the car that you get to work in so that you can buy a better car. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, you ever, did you ever see Chopping Mall? Because this yes. that, thing's, that thing's more effective than, than right. uh, one yes, of yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this thing mall. is scary. Yeah. This thing's not meant to just kill you. It's meant to like yep. oh, we tear you to pieces. When I was messaging you about this episode, I was like, slashers. Or I guess maybe cyborgs too, but I was like, I want to do slashers. Yeah. We could have done slasher cyborgs. I didn't think there was enough movies, but there was just enough. I think we could have squeaked out all slasher cyborgs this, oh, this episode. Um, yeah. Chopping Mall Chopping Mall is does feel like a slasher. Oh yeah. But it's mm-hmm. it's it breaks a few of the like it's it's there's a couple of the machines. It's not just one. Right. Um, and you're right, those things are <laughs> The, they they're basically they roll on tank treads, so it's like Johnny Five, but less <laughs> agile. Johnny Five seems <laughs> to get around better. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one though. Mm-hmm. Okay, I sh- should not comment more on these movies. Melanie, it's your turn. Do you what do you want to or if you want, do you want to go next? <laughs> sure, I'll go next. Okay, um, mine was not scary. My slasher movie was uh, Dude Bro Party Massacre Three. So. <laughs> Party Massacre 3. Yes. Wow. It's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> no, and it's not. It's not. We looked up. It was my. I chose that one. It's my fault. He he just pulled up the list and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll try that out. I need to look um, it. it knows what it is and it, and it uses that to its advantage. So I'll, get, I'll say that. But um, it's not actually. It's it's the first movie. Hmm. Um, but they still have the in the beginning exposition of the first two movies that never happened. Uh, <laughs> and basically it's like soror- a group of sorority people. Um, no, wait. Fraternity, I'm sorry. I forget and, your it, guys. Um, and it's, it's totally a, a spoof comedy. Yeah, of course. It's a spoof. Uh, fraternity guys that accidentally killed some lady. I can't remember this backstory. Uh, and then... Motherface. Motherface. And then Motherface... He was the killer in the first one, and they killed her. And then in the second one, which also didn't exist, it was her daughter. And this movie's ridiculous. So you find out in the very beginning, practically, who the killer of the third one is. But then it, it just goes on, and it's it's ridiculous, and it's way yeah, it is it's way over the top in, in a lot of ways. But then it it it's still really funny, and it, it, it does some things that are really interesting. Um, there's the in the very beginning there's a character who it looks like he would have been the main character in the first two movies and he dies huh. um and then immediately after you get introduced to his twin brother who's coming back to solve his brother's murder and he so he joins the same fraternity and everybody they introduce him to they're like um oh you're back from the dead Woo! and they're like no this is this is his twin brother and they're like oh weird and i'm like wow. <laughs> why is why is uh you know whatever? Why is it weirder? But it's not. It's just great. It's it's funny. I liked it. Um, Gotta check it out. It's <laughs> I love 
I love this poster. <laughs> Don't let a bro see it alone. Yeah, it is. That's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, and the kills are all ridiculous. Uh, but like I said, it it knows what it is and it uses it to its to its advantage. Um, and it does a lot of things where it'll make like all the characters are over the top. But they'll have somebody be totally over the top one way, and then and then it'll switch around and be like completely the opposite there's one character that's like the you know he's kind of like the the stereotypical big jerk of the fraternity he's yeah. the big like he's kind of in charge he's just a d-bag yeah to everybody and makes fun of people for everything and then there's just one instance where somebody's like i can't believe you said that you know i'm insecure about that and he's like no dude if you would have told me i never would have said anything i swear i'm so sorry <laughs> you know like completely the opposite of what his character should have done and they do that kind of stuff a lot and and it catches you off guard and it's funny um so yeah i would recommend it it's not scary at all uh and the ending is almost offensive really yeah. but nice. but that's because i'm a woman and it's obviously not made for women okay um, i'm really can i probe you on that in a, here in a moment yes go ahead because we didn't even talk about i was going to ask you about it but then you had to go home last night so we didn't even talk about it then um so i just want to jump in real quick yeah no this is the kind of comedy that shouldn't work it's so stupid it's so stupid and we were talking about this element of it last night but the acting i think is what sells it because mm-hmm. everyone in it has like perfect comedic timing mm-hmm. and delivery where it's like on paper if i read through the script i'd be like this is so dumb. I don't even, I don't want to watch that, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I watched it with her and I enjoyed it quite a bit because they sell it. They sell the stupid like turns and mm-hmm. they're goofy without being over the top goofy. We've been watching Aunt, what is it? Auntie Donna's big something house on Netflix. If anybody, yes. Yeah. And, enjoy, it's a r- super over the top, ridiculous spoof or uh, uh, skit comedy show Mm -hmm. super enjoyable but one thing i don't like is that like the three main guys their performances is always like just on their faces is always over the top they're always like super goofy faces Mm -hmm. and this movie doesn't suffer from that so much like you get goofy faces and goofy like acting but it's reeled in just enough to where it doesn't go into cringe and they like i said they sell it well okay it doesn't go into cringe there's there's one gag that is mentioned and then comes back towards the end that I hated. There is mm-hmm. there is a gag. It does go a little far, but in general, mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. Yeah, overall uh, the movie was alright. So, so it's not my, a complete waste of your time if you want to watch it. Melanie, <laughs> how did you feel about mm-hmm. the way I, the way this movie treats women? Because I'm going to tell you, it's poor. It's real poor. Oh, it's super poor. It's like, intentionally poor. <laughs> Well, that's that's the thing. If I if I wasn't already certain that they were doing it, kind of as a gag, then I might have been offended because they do. Yeah, they're pretty messed up to women in this in this show. Um, <laughs> but but it's obvious it's obvious that they're doing it to make fun of of exactly that. You know. Can and, I get into slight spoilers because I got it? Can I that, how the the slashers end up ended up taking care of? That's I super even, spoilers. Is anybody actually going to watch it? <laughs> I, I would, <laughs> you, you could spoil it. Maybe it may entice me more to even watch it now. You know? So the part, and I think the part that Melanie's really referencing is 
how the slasher is taken care is taken out at the end of the movie is basically the final bro uh is joined by all the spirits of the murdered bros and he bros out into this like long-haired blonde ripped bro god looking guy like a bro hulk <laughs> like a bro <laughs> hulk i mean he's still just a dude he's not like over he's super muscly but yeah he hulks out and then punches the woman in her face and then just beats the crap like just beats just, her as she's on the ground and that's it it's like oh it's just so beating just, a woman yeah, okay yeah yeah so i was like mm, yeah but like i said it's <laughs> <laughs> hey Kaz Kill. Uh, uh, we're talking about Dude Pro Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. <laughs> yeah, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Um it's it's a thing. Uh it's it's funny. And they treat women bad the whole time. Yeah. Um so it's obviously So at least they're consistent. Yeah. There you go. But I mean it, honestly, I, I, even if they if it wasn't a joke, I might not mind cuz women are crazy. But, <laughs> but I think it was, it's, you know, intentional. It's, it's dude to, bro party mask. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. dude bro party. Yeah. Or even like they go to their stupid little frat party and they're like, no girls loud. <laughs> so there you go. Whatever. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They take it to a ridiculous extreme because guys want chicks at frat parties. Yeah. Otherwise it's just a sausage fest. But, but they're having like touching feeling man moments or something. Right. They, they do. <laughs> um this was this was a crowdfunded movie I discovered afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um and we watched it on Tubi. Tubi so TV. So you can watch it for it. free. Yeah. It the format of it is like I kind of wish they hadn't committed to the aesthetic so much because it actually looks like it shot fairly well, but they did the VHS thing mm-hmm. where it's obviously a digital VHS effect over top. The whole thing, they committed mm-hmm. to it. It's but like it's something all- that uh Jesse's uncle would have taken for him. It's got like commercials and to and it's interesting because to be tv since it's free inserts commercials like some a lot of digital services do now mm-hmm. their commercial breaks are actually timed out really well to where the movie would go to like fake commercials and then to be tv commercials would come in yeah every time <laughs> every time so, <laughs> so you'd have to guess if it was real or not <laughs> that was pretty yeah i have but, yeah I have okay, Kez Kill. I have no idea what a guy wants at a frat party because I know no guys who went to those. Yeah. I mean, to to be fair, my concept of frat parties is what I've seen in movies. <laughs> this is the movie. Like, yeah. So maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Yeah. Randy, what did you watch? Thank you. You're welcome. Because I'm just gonna keep talking about your pick if you don't stop yeah, me. I, <laughs> I watched a movie I'd never heard of. Or if I had, I'd forgotten about it. Called Intruder from 1989, and it seems kind of up, you know, kind of under the radar or forgotten. Interestingly enough, in some versions of the poster, let me see if I can find a version of it that has this. Here we go. There we go. This is what you're gonna see. Hold up. Let me pull this up, and it's a little misleading. Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, Intruder, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sam Raimi is a character in it. He's an, he acts in this. He does not, he did not produce it. As far as I know, he did not direct it. He's a character in it, which is super interesting. (laughs) And he's actually not bad, but he's a Mm -hmm. supporting character. Bruce Campbell has a cameo in the very end of the movie. He's on screen for like two minutes. That poster (laughs) is super misleading. 
<laughs> it's not any worse than Scream. Drew Barrymore. And I'm like, Drew Barrymore dies in the first like five yeah, minutes. Come on. That kind of ties into that's at least kind of clever, even in the marketing, because it ties into the whole like the psycho thing of like making yeah. you think this is your main character, kill him. Right. Because uh, Janet Lee was everywhere, you know, when they were promoting mm -hmm. Psycho and they didn't expect her to get knocked off in the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, albeit they killed Drew Barrymore real fast. In <laughs> but I think that makes that more shocking. Um, this is just, it's not fraudulent because they're not wrong. Those people are in the movie, but it makes it seem like this should be like, what is this? Like a slasher version of Evil Dead? Also interesting is one of the characters is the guy that plays the redneck guy in Evil Dead 2. Nah. And I found him extremely enjoyable in this as oh. well. Um, I never saw I've seen the poster, but I never watched the film. Of this? Yeah. It was it was okay. It was not bad. Like it's it's pretty well shot. The the premise is let me see if this page I'll leave this up. Okay, yeah, they have a, a very succinct overview. The overnight stock crew of a local supermarket find themselves being stalked and slashed by a mysterious maniac. Mm. Um, and it is. It's pretty much takes place in a grocery store. And this is like, you know, 80s grocery store, not like more modern big box Walmarts. It's a good size grocery store in that it's got a deli and stuff. So you've got somebody who, you know, you've, they've got freezer with various deli and butcher machinery that might get used later in the film. <laughs> um, but it's not like a huge box store. And uh, Paul says it's an interesting, it's interesting for an under the radar movie. Um, but I thought it was pretty decent, but kind of dull. And I see why it's forgettable. I, I think it's pretty well made. It's shot, it's shot decently. There's some interesting angles. It's not like super flashy. Um, but I think one of the more interesting aspects of it is. The grocery store looks like, I mean, it's just like they rented or they they found and rented out some unused grocery store. So it looks real and dirty and kind of grungy. And uh, it doesn't have a super polished like film set look to it. So it seems real. And that almost makes it feel like um, like an instructional video when you start somewhere at first, <laughs> like. Just because it's like, oh, they're obviously shooting at a real like grocery store. And sometimes back. you'll have to deal with a disgruntled uh, customer. And right. here's how what we do. <laughs> and and the whole thing here is like, whatever. There's several people that work there. It's the overnight crew, so they're closing up in the beginning. Um, and then a bunch of them, like the cashier ladies, stick around for a while. And there's people who have to stock the shelves, whatever. Uh, one of the cashier ladies ex-boyfriend shows up and he's a nutbag so he's the one who's like the obvious threat throughout most of the movie he seems like they he ends up running off but it's kind of a clever clever setup in that so for the first 30 minutes which is where the movie really drags first 30 minutes there's reason for people to like be creeped out and stalking around like this now kind of dark grocery store looking for somebody you know the the horror movie thing walking through hallways um because there was legitimately some threat around uh, one of my pet peeves with with horror movies is sometimes people will be creeped out and just w doing the like building tension, walking through hallway scenes for no mm -hmm. reason, just because it's a horror movie. Mm -hmm. So this avoided that. Um, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it made me think of of, of this, uh, something completely different. But there's like 
somebody in the woods with their kid and their kids like I think I heard a monster and they're like, no, you didn't. And then there's like a twig snap. And they're like, oh, and they got, they got really scared. Right. Uh, right. It makes me think of that. Yeah. So once the kills start though, it, they don't stop. There's actually quite a few characters. There's a lot of kills in here. And apparently when this was first released, it was because in 89, they, the MPA, the MPAA was like, I think they were just done with slashers. So after a certain point, all slashers were severely censored to get our to get our ratings mm. fortunately i think if you watch this now which is also free on tubi tv um can't find an obscure an obscure movie check out tubi tv it's probably there that's, that's um, good to know right not hardware though not even not on right. <laughs> so maybe not <laughs> it's because richard stanley got blacklisted um yeah probably but the version they have, and I think the more common version you can get now is, I believe, the director's cut. And it is surprisingly gory because for the most part, I was like, the movie's pretty tame. And even when the first couple kills start, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of cutaways, uh, you know, just simple like knife stab, cutaway, scream. Okay. All right. That's fine. Eventually, we're getting like close-ups to somebody's face going into a bandsaw. It gets hardcore. I was actually super surprised by the by the level of gore in this movie. Um, this is a spoiler in itself, but it does do... The obvious setup is that the sex boyfriend is the murderer, and it maintains that through most of the movie. I'm going to spoil it. They do a twist, because if they didn't do a twist, it was going to be super disappointing. Like, come on. Because mm -hmm. they still did the POV shots uh, every time the killer's around. Um, they did some kind of fun things with POV shots where like they'll establish one of the normal, one of the non-killer characters is like kind of creeping on some people through the aisles and watching they cut away and then they cut back to the same POV shot. But that character then walks into frame and you're like, Oh, so he left and the killer's now in his place. It's like there's some fun stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and the, the, the reveal of who the actual killer is, is pretty decent as far as these type of movies go. Um, it's still just a dude. Like it's not mm -hmm. like a, a masked person or anything. It's just a dude. Mm -hmm. And finally to get to something we touched on way earlier, this episode was the ending. You've got the final girl. There might even be, she might even have her tag along guy like sometimes happens, but it is not a good ending for them. I'm I, screw it. I'm going to go full spoiler more or less. I'm still not going to reveal who the actual killer is when the cops get there. Our main characters get arrested for murder. So I was like, oh, it's like one of the cops like beaten on him. And I'm like, oh, it's like a slasher. If it really happened today, <laughs> the cops go and beat you and uh, you go to jail for murder because who else is going to oh, like too soon? <laughs> oh, wow. This is 89. <laughs> like that place should have had cameras, I would think, but maybe not. It's still no, not, not for not for a little rinky dink place. But yeah. can, I, can I say, as you know, someone who used to overnight stock, yep. there's, there's there's no way that that a slasher could happen in, in a grocery store. Like it would, somebody would get murdered. The first person that saw him would scream, and then everybody would nobody nobody cares enough to stay in the grocery store with murdered people. We everybody would leave, and they'd be like, "Okay, I'm out." They might, I mean, maybe they call the cops, but <laughs> they definitely leave. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Nobody's gonna Scooby do this. They're gonna go home. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Movie debunked. 
there were a few there were a few parts that were not only did the, did the killer kill these people <laughs> he then apparently like completely butchered their bodies because just planted body parts everywhere he thought maybe it was like this it was like the easter egg hunt of like severed limbs everywhere after a certain point if there's a character walking around every room they went into there was like like in the bathroom there's shoes you can see somebody's shoes in the bathroom stall so he goes and opens it and it's like severed stumps in the shoes you know mm -hmm. there's a hand oh this has a great shot i've got to find it maybe that's a quality that slashers need to have like they need to have some artistic outlet for their killing where they can pose the bodies and make them fall down from places <laughs> and you know or pop up or something it's an idea mm -hmm. they go this guy like he makes a go of it he he uh enjoys setting up his little what do they call it like it, i feel like three or four characters got the final girl run where like they go from one room to room to room it's like there's here here's a body falling out here's a body it's like four characters got that there were just body pieces everywhere in this place <laughs> um, anyway i can't i can't find the image offhand i don't want to spend a lot of time with there's ted ted, ted Raimi's also in it mm -hmm. ted Raimi and sam Raimi. Nice. but <laughs> sam Raimi just before oh and that's the uh the one guy from evil dead 2 Sam Raimi's character. Oh, there it is. He's working at the back doing his butcher thing, and he pulls out this this you know it's like a hand, like a ground beef thing, but it's got a a hand wrapped in it, mm -hmm. severed <laughs> hand in it, and that's just before he he gets taken out. So nice. Mm -hmm. So it was simultaneously good, but still kind of dull. <laughs> like say, I understand why it's forgettable. But it's entertaining than Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Okay, so no. Dude Bro Party, <laughs> Dude Bro Party Massacre 3 was way more entertaining than it had any right to be. And this is super well made. The gore is totally decent. The characters aren't bad. They're they're pretty flimsy. It seems like everybody does have some type of trait. Um mm -hmm. it does have an interesting atmosphere of like, <laughs> and this is part of why it's dull. It's like there's small sections of the movie where we're just watching this overnight crew do their job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's maybe why it feels kind of like instruction, not instructional video, but like, you know, one of those warehouse work videos or something where it's like, just watching <laughs> somebody do the thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I I'd say if you are a slasher fan and you've never seen this, it's totally worth a watch. It's not bad. It's like I said, it's a little slow, but like the gore is on point. It's pretty well made. Um, uh, Kaz Kill. Well, a movie called Dubro Massacre 3 is either going to be effing horrible or surprisingly good. Not much middle ground. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. It's either yeah. going to be bad or a surprise. <laughs> so <laughs> I could see that. Um, <laughs> I, I can't believe the whole movie. I'm like, okay, so Sam Raimi was there. That's not a lie. He's like, he's not a main character, but he's in it quite a bit. Why didn't I mean probably because he was like gonna direct movies and do way better than if I act in them, but he was totally decent. I'm just kind of surprised. I've seen Ted Raimi pop up in a lot more stuff than I've ever seen Sam Raimi pop up as like a face, you know. Mm -hmm. He was pretty good. Um, but the whole movie, I'm waiting for Bruce Campbell. I didn't get him. It's literally <laughs> like the last two minutes he shows up. He's one of the cops that arrests them at the end, and I'm just like, <laughs> that's your Bruce Campbell that you put up on the poster? <laughs> oh. I bet yeah. people were upset about I'm that. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. I don't blame them. Okay. I need to stop okay. talking about it. 
There you go. So how do we feel each of our slashers fit into the slasher genre? And and we can include uh, Wirehead in there without, mm-hmm. I guess, giving away story details about your character. Um, because my guy was fine. My guy is almost like more typical, like old school slasher movie villain before mm-hmm. they went to the to the unkillable boogeyman. Mm-hmm. It, like it's okay, mm-hmm. but I, my movie I felt like rested on the gore. Right. But mm-hmm. how about how about you guys? <laughs> Mine was closer to that uh, unkillable boogeyman, but. Mm-hmm. Because like the the robot could like basically repower itself anytime mm-hmm. it got anywhere near a power source. Like even they even said that the sun could power this robot. <laughs> it, it, none, never took that. place during the day, but they had to throw that in there. And like even the sun, I'm like well, it's not really a power grid, but okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was that. But then it also had like the very obvious flaw. <laughs> that yeah. nobody nobody thought of until the very end and even then it had to be like literally spelled out for him um, wow. so it, yeah mine falls more into that but it's more that just like almost um, mindless hulking killer type mm-hmm. of idea yeah mine, mine wasn't even the killer was not the point of, of my movie it was it was like the least important part of the whole thing probably <laughs> She was like an afterthought. They're like, well, we have to have a slasher in here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we talked about Wirehead quite a bit. He, he seems like the quiet, unstoppable killer type. Yes. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's similar to um, Jesse's. Right? Similar to that, you know, this hulking machine that's kind of, he is a bit mindless, but he's on a program, you know, mm-hmm. but he thinks he's helping. So when he's walking around and he's addressing people and you know, he says, like, allow me to assist you. Or allow me to assist, and then he's, you know, he's squeezing your head, and he's like, "Please remain calm." So it's like, he's he's kind of just, he's uh, a machine gone bad. You know what Ooh. I mean? I really love that. It makes me think of like if RoboCop malfunctioned, yeah, right. Which other of the robots did in the movie? But like, yeah, right. that sounds like how RoboCop would malfunction if it instead of the uh, big Ed two hundred nine or whatever that just blows the dude away. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like a mix of the two. <laughs> it's like RoboCop and Ed 209. There you go. We can stop talking. I Listen, I could talk about slashers for another like two more hours at least, but we're not going to do that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, this was this was awesome, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I appreciate you joining us and giving me an excuse to talk about slashers. <laughs> <laughs> Think where, along with that. People, where okay first off where can people find out more about wirehead and mm-hmm. then also your other work and where you where you hang out online sure uh, you could find me on youtube and instagram and twitter all under geronimo draws at geronimo draws uh you could find the indiegogo campaign on indiegogo wirehead is up there for nine more days so definitely check it out uh, it's going to be an exclusive book you know so uh, and we have some really cool perks and prints uh, created by some of the, in my opinion, some of the greatest indie illustrators right now. I mean, these guys are killing it. And a lot of them are illustrators and creators at Alterna. Um, they did their interpretations of Wirehead as well. But uh, you get them with the mainly with the uh, featured perk. So I highly recommend everyone get checks that one out. 
And uh, yeah, and you can order Blood Realm signed copies through the Indiegogo for the time being or uh, from Alterna Comics, which is uh, alternaaccess.com. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, do we have, uh, before we get to Melanie's segment, Melanie, do you remember your bit of news? Um, yeah. Which one were you going to go with? Because I have a note, but I know since then you've kind of changed your mind. I have a note of paper release that proves the sun uses the CNO cycle. Mm. You want to go with the other one, which I don't remember offhand. And I don't know, Paul, but you go on, you go on your thing and I'll look. Paul. Okay. Paul this week, this week, I feel like this week unintentionally is a gift to Paul because <laughs> Paul says, wait, no, you know what? No Snyder watch. We've been tormenting Paul with our, with a recurring Snyder watch segment. Uh, Digging up any news we can find every week about Snyder Cut, Justice League, or just Zack <laughs> Snyder in general, because we know some people can't stand it, so we just keep doing it. No, we don't have any this week. Um, and also, I'm sure you've noticed Paul's comments throughout this. Paul is definitely going to be hitting you up after this because he also does podcasts. So just oh, cool, up. awesome. Um, please do. He's a big he's a, he's a big horror fan. Mm-hmm. What was the other thing? Um, I feel like we probably left well, lost Savannah. What? If not, I'm curious as to whether if Savannah was gonna if she watched Psycho. She said she was gonna watch Psycho for this week. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I was, I was gonna movie. ask. Uh, what do we want to do next week? Oh that's, yeah. That's the other thing. What monster of the week should we do next week? Um, should we try to? We got a little way ways to Christmas, like two weeks, I guess. We. We well, you don't want to do Christmas too far after Christmas. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. no. Um, well, I'll ask you, Robert. Do you have any? Mm-hmm. What should we do next week for Monster of the Week? And I'll let you know if we've already we've already done it. Like we've already done Frankenstein. That was actually one of my favorite uh, conversations. And I kind of wish, if I'd have known, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of wish we'd have had you on there because we actually got into just the Frankenstein con- right. uh, concept, I guess. Well, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I think Paul just hit it. He said "hicksploitation." So I think you may <laughs> do that. That was birthed from this stream. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. All right, that is that is good. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, monster of next week, hicksploitation. Nice. <laughs> Wrong turn two. I don't know why I like that movie so much. Just because it's like trash, but decent trash. It knows what mm-hmm. it is, and it's got oh, yeah. Henry Rollins. Henry yeah, you Rollins. You can't go wrong with that. No. <laughs> I, I have not heard good, anything good about the series after that, but first two I think are decent. Um, Melanie, mm-hmm. what should we be amazed about? Um, yeah, you know the the one thing is kind of boring, and I might even go not even go sciency, but I don't think we've had an episode since um, the the human stakes, have we? Did not we talk so. about we? I feel like we talked about that. Did we? Where you can grow your own. You can grow your own human meat to eat. Um, literally your own human meat. To yeah, eat. you get a kit and it's got. Uh, it, Jesse's uh, reaction is telling me we haven't. So it, yeah, do that. It's no, no, it's like a. They're it's called disgusting or, and kind or, of. Fits. Or, 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 how do you say it wrong? Chia or, meat. Or, or sticks, but you get a uh, medical waste, but it's like it's a little plasma based. And then this you, sounds incredible. And then you swab your cheek, and it uses your skin cells. And then in that in that base, it will grow little people meat steaks that you can eat. Soylent. So, 
that's that yes. was the comment that somebody had made. So, and, mm. yes, swimming green is real. Yeah, um, no, I would have remembered this. Mm-hmm. How 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 is that not a form of cannibalism? Is it because you're eating your own meat? Like this just well, seems wrong. Everything about this is horrible. That's gross. To each his own. <laughs> yes, maybe. But the- you buy this in the gro- a grocery store that Intruder works at. <laughs> maybe there was human meat packaged and ready to go in that movie um i like paul's comment we did not talk human steaks i've been waiting for <laughs> yeah is just this is the statement? ultimate snyder cut uh <laughs> no but uh the the idea behind it um i'm not sure if they're available yet to the public but they will be uh, but the idea behind it was to draw attention to a lot of the synthetic meats that they have right now still use animal products to create them. Um, and this, this, this uses human waste products, not animal. Uh, but they still are, they're still slaughtering animals to make the synthetic meat. So it's not really any different than meat. Uh, but this is an alternative. You can eat yourself and, uh, and save some animals. And uh, maybe it's tasty. I don't know. I've never had people, but. If you've ever wanted to try, now you can. Mm. Like chicken, homegrown long pig. Mm-hmm. This that that actually would have fit maybe better into exploitation week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But okay, that's it. it, it Roberts looked confused the whole time. So we <laughs> Melody like Melody's all as much as like you know we're into comics or horror movies. Melody loves science things, so she's always telling us science things. So we made it a recurring segment. At the oh, end nice. of the episode. Yeah. Because um, people people don't spend enough time being amazed at all the breakthroughs that are happening constantly. Right. And so true. Yeah. True. I like it. All right. Um, once again, Robert, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really and everybody else, thanks for watching. In the future, thanks for listening. Uh, you can always find more at brawlixpodcast.com. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X podcast.com. Don't forget to check out Robert's book, Wirehead. And his existing series, uh, Blood Realm. Blood Realm. Kingdom Love to hear you guys' thoughts on the Kingdom of Blood. Is pretty cool. That's <laughs> a pretty good title too. But I get, I get the like quick, snappy. Like I get mm-hmm. that. Yeah. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. Take care, Bye. everyone. <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Grolix Nights, the Grolix Podcast live show. Be sure to check out our weekly live streams available at grolixpodcast.com slash live. Currently, we stream Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central Time on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. For links, once again, go to grolixpodcast.com slash live. Well, no, I was just trying to think it was, I mean, if there's more you want to dive into on Blood Realm, we can, but um, if this, if this just finished is the other project we're going to talk about, is that kind of your next focus? Right. So, um, so now Blood Realm uh, still has three more volumes. So I'm currently working on the fourth one.
And uh, oh, okay. yeah, so I, I feel like I'm not paying attention. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was very distracted by things. 